Let's stick it. Funky tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the epic 26th episode of the Silver Emulsion Podcast. My name is Will Kalf and I'll be your host. And today we're going to exercise some demons. We're going to beat the hell out of some devious fools. And god damn it, we're going to get some sugar. This is the Silver Emulsion Podcast. Ask me if I give a shit. Stop, I'm sick of your bullshit. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Silver Emulsion Podcast. My name is Will, and I am your host. And Well, I guess I already said that in the intro, but, uh, you know, I can say it again if I want to. <laughs> this is my show. <laughs> Alright, so this week, uh, I have a number of movies to talk about, as always. I don't know that anything really stands out as um, a movie that I that I want to feature. Uh, but it's all arbitrary, so it doesn't really matter. But anyway, I was thinking that uh, because nothing stands out, I might be able to do a horror movie ramble. Uh, but I'm going to record the movie, the 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 regular part of the show, the the talking about these movies first, and then see how long it is because uh, I don't know. I I just I'm having a hard time under figuring out like when to do these horror movie things because I always have too many movies to talk about as is, and then I don't know. They always take so long. So uh, let's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna try and and see what uh, what happens, uh, and then we'll go from there. So, um, let's do that. You ready? <laughs> okay, get ready. You know, I I put all this work into this show. I get everything ready, and then I say, "Are you ready?" And nobody's ready. What the fuck? All right, finally, let's do this. <laughs> All right, so first movie uh, that I that I want to talk about um, is a 1992 Hong Kong movie called King of Beggars. King of Beggars is a Stephen Chow movie. Stephen Chow being the uh, the comic uh, extraordinaire, the the uh, the fucking king of Hong Kong box office, basically. Um, during the 90s, I would... I don't have any, like, concrete numbers, but um, Jackie Chan was a big fucking, like... His movies did fucking amazingly well. Um, from, the from like, Drunken Masters, Snake in the Eagle Shadow, like, from those late 70s movies on, most of his movies did really well. And then uh, he got to a point where, like, every time he released a movie, it would be number one, big fucking box office, like, break records. And Stephen Chow, though, is, like, the guy that consistently was either uh, right there with him or beating Jackie Chan. And I would say that it goes, like, 
to this day like like right now the movies that jackie chan puts out in hong kong they do all right but i don't think that they do nearly as well as they used to whereas uh stephen chow movies do fucking great still um i don't think he's actually acting in a lot of movies uh these days but he he does direct i know he made the uh the movie that came out last year called the mermaid that was like the biggest chinese fucking box office smash ever or some shit (laughs) it's a big fucking movie um and so he directed that and it got even a, a u.s release i mean it played up here i didn't go see it um but uh I know it, it, it played around the, the states for a little bit. Um, anyway, so this movie, uh, King of Beggars, stars Stephen Chow, and uh, it is directed by Gordon Chan. Gordon Chan uh, famously probably is most well-known for his movie with Jet Li called Fist of Legend, which is uh, probably the best Jet Li movie <laughs> If not the best Jet Li movie, I mean it's right fucking there. I don't I I haven't seen a, a lot of Jet Li movies uh in the last few years. It's been a while. Um maybe when I'm done with Jackie or the Samo stuff. Well, I want to do Chinese fat movies after I get done with those the Samo ones. So, I don't know. Anyway, there's too many Hong Kong movies. Uh, but uh, Gordon Chan made Fist of Legend, which is fucking dope. And he also made the Jackie Chan movie Thunderbolt, uh, which I have a very soft spot for. It's not a super great movie, but some of the fucking action, like the pachinko fight, is one of my favorite Jackie fights ever. It's so fucking good. So fun. Um, Sammo Hung did the action in Thunderbolt. Uh, anyway... What else did Gordon Chan make? He made a bunch of movies. He made a bunch of Stephen Chow movies, actually. Um, among other things, he's a pretty big director in Hong Kong, as you might expect with these big stars working with him. All right, so King of Beggars basically is a martial arts comedy uh, with a more more emphasis on comedy than martial arts. Uh, when there are martial arts, they're very well done, well produced, well choreographed. Uh, they were they were choreographed by uh, Yoon Woo Ping's brother, older brother Yoon Chung Yan, who um, worked for many years at the Shaw Brothers Studio. And I believe he started in the late '60s or early '70s. Um, yeah, late '60s. And so he worked there for a few years and then eventually uh, brought in his brother, Yoon Wooping, who became one of the greatest and most well-respected uh, choreographers and directors in the entire industry. Um, uh, but this movie is just Yoon Chung Yan by himself uh, directing the action. And uh, Stephen Chow is not really a martial artist. So... While it's a martial arts comedy, and it's all right, so I just recorded five minutes or six minutes of uh, silence because I apparently kicked my recorder, and because I have that short <laughs> in there, uh, it just shut off. 
and I was still fucking blissfully unaware because I was looking at the 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 internet while I was talking about random things. So now I'm going to have to redo what I just did and I don't know, I don't remember what the fuck I was talking about. Anyway, so I was just uh right before I kicked the thing, I was talking about how Stephen Chow is not really a martial artist. So uh he's a comedian. And he can do... He looks pretty good doing his martial arts. Um, so he might have some background. Um, I'm not entirely sure. And I'm not going to look it up. But um, anyway, they put him up against... Uh, the villain is played by Norman Chu, who is in a bunch of fucking Hong Kong movies, like Shaw Brothers movies. He's a legitimate martial artist. He's in, like, um, Duel to the Death, Zoo, Warriors from the Magic Mountain, fucking uh, We're Gonna Eat You, the, the Soy Hark movie that I talked about at some point in the past on these things, one of these things. He's in, he's the, bla- the bastard swordsman in uh, the Shaw Brothers movie, Bastard Swordsman, <laughs> and its sequel. Um, anyway, so he's a legitimate martial artist, and to put Stephen Chow up against him, it's a little tough, so the fights are not anything like you would expect a fight to be, but that being said, this movie was made at the height of wire work, Hong Kong wire work. 1992, Hong Kong wire work is like fucking just balls out dope. I mean, it, you can't get any better than fucking 1992 wire work. Well, maybe. I mean, 93, 94. I don't know. But in the in those years, that the the 80s were great. The whole 80s were great for wire work. Even some stuff in the 70s is fine. But but uh, the 80s is where they really perfected it. And then the early 90s, the 90s all the way up until. Uh, bullshit fucking CG came in and then they kind they didn't stop doing wire work but they when they did wire work they would erase the wires and so it would make everything like wire work now it it looks good but it still looks it looks so fake like <laughs> like it doesn't even look like they're using wires because they erased the wires and so because they're gonna erase the wires they can shoot it from weird angles that wire work shouldn't naturally be able to be shot from and so it kind of ruins the whole aesthetic of the Hong Kong wire work um, thing that I love so much but this is right in the height of that so fucking top notch wire work and tons and tons and tons of jokes mixed in with the fighting uh, to allow Stephen Chow to like get out of traditional fighting a bit, and it works really well because the character, um, the character is, he plays the king of beggars, so to speak, or he becomes as the movie goes on the king of beggars, and uh, in this movie he plays Beggar So. Beggar So is a very famous uh, Chinese uh, kind of folk hero. He was one of the Ten Tigers of Canton, uh, who have been uh, put into movies many times. And uh, the Ten Tigers of Canton, I looked it up earlier, they were the 
like supposedly at this time in uh, Chinese history, they were the top 10 fighters in the south of China. And so um, I don't remember, I don't know who all the 10 are. I'm not like fucking 10 tiger scholar or anything. But Beggar So is one that stands out. Uh, he's he's in so many movies. Um, he he plays like the the master uh, who teaches Jackie Chan drunken boxing in Drunken Master. Uh, played by Simon Yoon, father of Yoon Chung Yan and and Yoon Woo Ping and all the other Yoon brothers. Um, and he's in a bunch of other stuff. He, he, like uh, the, the Yoon Woo Ping movie, uh, True Legend, uh, showcases a, uh, a tale of how Beggar So became a beggar and then became a master of drunken boxing. And so, in a way, King of Beggars, the Stephen Chow movie, is almost like a version of True Legend... Um, it's a story of how uh, the So family, which was a very rich and affluent, uh, like the guy in, in True Legend is at the beginning of the movie, how they descend into beggardom and then become uh, the, the sort of folk hero uh, that the, the character has become in, in Chinese history. The two storylines of both movies are completely different. True Legend is is very serious, and it's a it's a it's a pretty good movie. But it's I only saw it the one time, and I was I uh, I don't know. It's not great, but it's pretty good. There's there's some good stuff in it. Um, and so anyway, the, the two movies have a totally different story, so they're not like remakes of each other, but they do tell a fictionalized version of this guy's life and how he got to a certain point in that life. But they're completely different. They're just all made up. I don't know what the real story is, but I can almost guarantee that it's not True Legend and it's not King of Beggars. <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to say is that Beggar So is one of the, the Ten Tigers, and then uh, Wang Qiying, father of Wang Feihung, uh, everybody's favorite <laughs> Chinese folk hero, as I like to call him. Um, Wang Qiying was also one of the Ten Tigers of Canton. So Stephen Chow plays this character, and then uh, he does it very well. The character is not, at the beginning of the movie, known as... A great martial artist. His skill is notable, and they they, you know, it's it's clear that he knows something, but especially because it's Stephen Chow, they kind of play with that a lot. The uh, the f I believe it was the first scene of the movie is this big like overblown dramatic fucking. Uh, scene where all these preparations are made and, and Stephen Chow comes out and he's uh, doing all these elaborate movements to fucking uh, do this calligraphy on a scroll and then at the fucking end of all of this like pomp and circumstance or whatever you want to call it 
they fucking the camera moves and you see that the scroll is just all these splashes of paint and you can kind of see characters in there but it's real shaky <laughs> and the dad is like holy shit you can write because it's a like a family secret that everybody in the family is illiterate <laughs> anyway i don't know that that is funny outside of the movie but um it's funny in the movie, and it sort of uh, goes in with with uh, the theme that that this character and and in a way this family is um, sort of fronting. <laughs> they uh, they act like they have a lot, and they they do have a lot of money, but but they act like they're a lot more than they are. Um, and then uh, <laughs> through the movie, that kind of comes comes into uh sort of, sort of uh hit him in the ass or whatever you want to call it uh the key thing in this movie is that they go to a uh brothel and Stephen Chow becomes very enamored with one girl who has also attracted the attention of uh, Norman Chu's character and because Stephen Chow is like this fucking dopey kind of guy who has a lot of money backing him up and has been told like he grew up fucking being told that he was great or whatever so he has no fear and he has the money to be like you know what you know uh, back off whatever so he puts inserts himself into this position to to take the girl away from Norman Chu, who was there first and should theoretically have the right of way. Um, <laughs> that sounds so like cold to see the right of way to to, <laughs> to a woman, but uh, anyway, that's that's just the way that it is in this in this uh, particular situation. And so because of that, Norman Chu develops a grudge. And then as it turns out, um, the woman, played by Sharla Chung, is that her name? I think so. Yeah, Sharla Chung. And so she actually has a very specific reason for being there. She's posing as a prostitute. And this is not spoilers. This is all like right in the beginning. She's posing as a prostitute because Norman Chu's character killed her father and her father was the leader of the beggars. Um, so now she's posing as a prostitute. She has all this poisoned food ready to go. She's going to take fucking Norman Chu in there. He's going to eat the poisoned food and be dead. Boom. It's ready to go. But now Stephen, Chung, uh, Stephen Chow has uh, inserted himself into the situation. So now the whole fucking plan is fucked and uh, that kind of sets the whole movie in motion because there's this rivalry and she's trying to get to, to Norman Chu and all this fucking crazy madcap shit happens uh, <laughs> um, the first of which being a kung fu tournament because Stephen Chow like professes marriage to this girl because she's so beautiful and she's like I'll marry you if you can 
win this kung fu tournament that's coming up um and she knows like there's no way that this this guy is gonna fucking win this tournament so whatever like yeah you win it i'll marry you and so, so the the tournament you would think like in a in a traditional martial arts movie a tournament would be like a big deal there'd be all kinds of fights it would be take up like half the fucking movie uh, but in this movie it's relatively quickly handled and not only that the the way that certain things play out is is completely different <laughs> than you would expect mostly because the focus is on comedy but also there's like a jousting section and an archery tournament and stuff like that that are also um involved in this so it's not just fighting but anyway it's super fun um i don't want to just go on and on about how this happens and then that happens um let me look and see if i have anything oh yeah yeah the um Charlotte Chung's father was killed and he was the king of beggars as I mentioned and so the current king of beggars was like his second in command and that guy who's not in the movie too much uh, but he's played by the Shaw Brothers actor Wong Chung who uh, is in a shitload of Cheng Che movies from the uh, late 60s early 70s um, I can't think of like <laughs> A movie that he's in right off the top of my head but he stars in uh, a bunch of movies he's a, like a supporting character in a lot of them um, but he's great I really like him I think that he for whatever reason like he never really caught on in movies as a star and I've read about how like he eventually um, was in like a bunch of cop roles like either on tv or in supporting roles in movies or something and like that became what he was known for and uh so like he's in the the chang che movie police force which is like um how do i talk about police force it's it's um it's kind it's like pseudo documentary in a look at the police force it's not really a documentary but like they put wong chung through actual hong kong police academy uh so that he could learn how to be a, a cop and they filmed some of that and then like the big commencement um celebration or whatever that they had at the end of that that's part of the movie and they just shot the real thing so it's just actual footage of this um so there's that alexander fusheng is in it for a bit it's like his first major supporting role in a movie um it's not a great movie but anyway it's the, it's the one that really stuck out to me uh for wong chung uh because he's the star and apparently that's the movie that like <laughs> started him on his police role path um, but whatever. Anyway, so he's in the movie as this old guy, and he's not actually that old. Like, he's probably only maybe 45 or something, but they have him all made up with white hair and shit, and he looks pretty fucking old. <laughs> it's funny. Uh, but anyway, let's see. Do I have anything else? The wire work is dope. Great comedy bits with the wire work also just great straight up fighting with the wire work and the combination of the two 
um, like towards the end with the the finale, it's just fucking hilarious. It's fighting. It's just fucking great Hong Kong filmmaking. Um, I really, really love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I, re- I really enjoyed this movie quite a bit. It's probably out of the Stephen Chow movies that I've seen. Um, I don't remember really anything about the ones that I saw when I was younger and I haven't seen the big ones that made it um, kind of made that were very successful in the US like uh, Kung Fu Hustle and uh, Shaolin Soccer I haven't seen either of those um, and I haven't honestly seen a lot but um, of the ones that I've watched recently being this movie and then Royal Tramp 1 and 2 um, I this one was by far my favorite and I really liked both of those other ones too and then <laughs> to uh, to add to my my uh, <laughs> my love of the Hong Kong movie that will uh, <laughs> like stop at nothing in terms of tone this movie is a very funny movie but it also has a fucking scene where they graphically sacrifice a baby (laughs) and now now that it's like (laughs) it kind of like if you remember willow where the baby is about to be sacrificed at the end and it's very scary and it's pretty intense for like a young kid um i always loved it i was never scared by it as a little kid like i don't know I don't know. I just imagine some kids would be scared by it because it's pretty creepy and dark. Um, but I always lived in the darkness. <laughs> uh, but but anyway, like in this fucking movie, they in King of Beggars they they take a baby and they put him inside this like stone bowl thing, and then there's like these henchmen dude that are holding this like stone smasher thing like it's the it's like the the like if the bowl is the female the they're holding this big giant stone lid that also has like the male end of the bowl where it completely fills the bowl (laughs) and they're just holding it they place the baby inside and then they just fucking smash the baby with this thing and then it cuts immediately from that to these shots of or this shot of of uh these like little faces that are all around the side of the bowl that have their mouth open and then just all this fucking blood runs out (laughs) it's so gnarly and uh you know it's just this little moment in the middle of this great wacky weird ass comedy and that's that's Hong Kong movies. That's why I love them. They're fucking, you know, there's just nothing like them. Uh, so so that's I don't know. That's uh that's King of Beggars. I liked it quite a bit. If you like Hong Kong movies, especially uh early '90s Hong Kong movies, um, the golden years, so to speak. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of golden years for Hong Kong, like. I don't know anything from like I don't know probably I mean for me it's a little I I would say earlier into the early 70s for me um but like I think it's 
you could probably say like late 70s to mid 90s is pretty fucking golden for hong kong um i don't know there's a lot of good shit in there so that's that and uh, i'm gonna take a break and i'll be back with um some more stuff welcome to hillshire farm where great taste is always at home so you want to speed up the way we make our hillshire farm smoked sauce oh yes with high speed equipment hold on but young man you can't rush great taste we hand select lean cuts of pork and beef and smoke them slowly gently for the taste that other sauces just can't beat he's right try it yourself delicious I wouldn't change a thing. Too <laughs> for our best taste every time. All right, so I'm back, and the uh, next movie that I watched was. Hold on. Um, yeah, it's for, okay. So, so the next movie that I watched was the Sammo Hung movie called Spooky Spooky. <laughs> and uh, Spooky Spooky is from 1988 and it is the the Hung movie that he made in between Dragons Forever uh, with Jackie Chan and Yoon Byu the final movie with the three brothers and uh, Pedicab Driver so right in between those two fucking great movies he made a little horror comedy called Spooky Spooky <laughs> it's going to be very hard to keep saying spooky spooky. <laughs> uh, so anyway, spooky spooky uh, stars Alfred Chung and Wu Ma and Joyce Cadenzi, uh, Sammo Hung's wife. And who else is in this movie? I don't remember. Anthony Chan Yao. Not familiar with him, but he's in the movie. Also, Chung Fat and Mars and Yoon Wa, Corey Yoon, Richard Eng, a bunch of the uh, standard Sammo Hung people uh, come into the movie. And this movie is probably the... Out of all the Sammo Hung movies that I've watched, and I've watched almost all of them at this point, there's still a few more that I haven't seen. But I I liked this movie. I will say that. I enjoyed it. It's fun. It's horror. It's comedy. It's not so much horror. I mean, towards the end, it gets a little more horrific. But um, in terms of, of Sammo Hung movies, I would probably say that this is the least, the least Sammo Hung movie I've seen. So far, and I've seen 24 of his, I don't know, like 28 movies or something like that. Looks like he's, yeah, 28. So he's made 28, I've seen 24, and this would, I would say that this is my least favorite of all of them. And I still, like, liked it quite a bit. <laughs> so um, Sam Mohung has a very good track rec record in my book. So this movie is kind of weird there it opens with a um the head of a village a small village uh in the past some point in the past where uh and so the uh the village head uh 
arrest this guy. They put him inside this weird fucking, uh, like, bamboo cage. And it's like a cage shaped like a human body. So he's kind of just locked into this, almost like a coffin or something, but it's it's like a cage. And it's open. So then they lock him inside that thing, and then they take him down to the beach, because it's kind of a, a like a seaside village, and they throw him in the water. And so he's, he's stuck in the water, he can't get out, and he drowns. And his wife tries to um, like get away or something, run away from the situation, like, like when when the cops are coming or the the village head or whatever is coming, she's like running away, and I it was wasn't quite sure what happened because the copy of this movie that's available, the only version of this movie is like a VHS, um, VHS quality, let's say. So it's kind of dark. It's not the greatest. It's a little. Uh, it's a little. Um, I don't know, a little murky, let's say. And so the scenes at night, meh, it's kind of hard to see what's going on. That's okay. Anyway, so she, what it looks like is that she runs away and she gets sucked into the earth. So I thought, like, okay, it's a horror comedy. There's some kind of a demon or something. But what it turns out to be is later in the movie, I find out, because it comes up again, uh, there's a quicksand, a little patch of quicksand. And... This brings me very quickly, I I mean, I say quickly, and who knows how long it'll be, but I just want to say, shout out to Quicksand. <laughs> I never say shout out, so I don't know why I just said it now, but um, I just like Quicksand to get its due, because, and I was talking about this not too long ago with my wife, Quicksand, like, when I was a kid, Quicksand was like a fucking concern, <laughs> I never saw quicksand in my life. But I feel like quicksand was a thing that came up in movies, came up in books, came up in fucking cartoons, and all kinds of shit that I ran by. Like, as a kid, quicksand was a thing. And quicksand was a scary thing. Like, it was this thing that was going to happen. I remember being in the playground and talking about, like, oh, we're pretending we're in fucking quicksand in the recess yard. And, you know, like, all kinds of shit like that. And it got me to thinking because uh, I feel like kids nowadays are more advanced sort of technologically. Like, not in a good way, just, just because technology is so much different now so there's less imagination kids are like inundated with fucking screens and entertainment and so they don't they just don't have the same opportunities they have different opportunities and maybe they're better I don't know but for me personally I think that they're not as good and that goes for pretty much every person (laughs) who's ever you know looked at the current generation and thought that my day was better but um (laughs) but I just wondered do kids still concern themselves with quicksand? Are th- is it still a thing that scares kids? Are they still talking about it uh, at school? You know, is it still a thing that comes up? I don't know. I don't know. I don't have kids. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that's something that, that I was thinking about. And I think about it every now and then. Um, 
So it was funny that I was just talking about it, and then here's this movie with fucking quicksand. And what is it? 1988. You know, it's right in the the sweet spot of quicksand. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, roughly seven, eight years old in 1988, so <laughs> that would have been right in my fucking key quicksand years. <laughs> Anyway, so these these people died, and then now, way in the, the modern day of 1988, the movie continues, and so there's a new cop who comes to be a cop at this, um, this village, and the lead cop there is played by Wu Ma, and the, the new cop is played by Alfred Chung, and... Uh, the current village head is played by um, another Shaw Brothers director. Wu Ma is a Shaw Brothers director um, who used to work with Cheng Che. He was like a protege of sorts. Anyway, um, the the village chief is, is played by uh, Teddy Yip Wing Cho, who was a Shaw Brothers director for a little bit and then made a bunch of other movies. Uh, but anyway, so so now... Uh, mysterious events are happening. People are are being killed. People are be going missing, and um, there's rumors that the town has been haunted because of these this killing uh, that we saw at the beginning of the movie. And then um, that you know then and then you know that continues from there. Where it goes is a lot different than you would expect from an American movie with this sort of plot, but. Um, not entirely unique or anything especially when it gets to the ghost the actual like horror slash ghost stuff towards like the second half of the movie um in that stuff there's a lot of borrowed elements and um so there's stuff in in this scene specific well i don't know if it's a scene but there's a there's part of the the last like half an hour or whatever is is basically the thing <laughs> john carpenter's the thing where uh people might be possessed by the ghost but nobody knows who they just know that somebody is probably possessed and so they have to try to figure it out and we're in like the thing they take the blood uh, in this movie they figure out that if they lick themselves or or not them they can't lick themselves that's right uh, if they if they lick each other <laughs> then um, I think it's either the one that's really salty. I think it's the one that's really salty is the possessed one. It might be the other way around. I don't remember. But anyway, they, they, they lick each other to, uh, <laughs> to figure out who's who. Um, so there's, there's elements of the thing uh, there, a little bit in other places too. And then as the scene moves on, it becomes um, reminiscent, you could say, of Evil Dead 2. Which is uh, pretty impressive if Sammo Hung actually saw Evil Dead 2, like when it, right when it came out, and then in 1988, the next year, made 
made this movie and did some homage to it. I don't. I honestly don't know how the certain things that are kind of Evil Dead ish about this movie. I I can't see that he that they aren't Evil Dead. Like they're too close to just be a random movie. Because there's also there's a couple of other things that like well maybe he got this from there and that from there whatever, but um, I doubt it. It's pretty fucking Evil Dead. So anyway, there's there's kind of stuff like that. There's a scene in the early part that's like Jaws, and so it's kind of like it's a fun movie, but it's a little slow, and it feels really like low budget. <laughs> Um, and that's fine. I mean, I don't mind that so much, but um, just knowing that, like, this is right in Samo's fucking, like, great period. He made tons of great movies and is right in between Dragons Forever and and Pedicab Driver, two fucking standout awesome movies. So it's a little hard to understand, like, why this movie is not as well made as it could be because it's pretty boring in the in the first part it's not really scary and it's not really trying to be which is fine you know it's a little drama sort of setting up the scene and 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 that's okay but um it just isn't it isn't anywhere near the quality that i have come to expect from samo hung as a director um, now, in every pretty much every Sammo Hung movie, there's fights, and this movie is no different. But this movie has only very small flashes of action. Um, oh, that's the other thing. I I had a note here, and I didn't look at it, but but one of the other things is um, there's some a lot of there's like a ghostbuster element to it where the the character that chung fat plays uh is kind of like a a ghost hunter ghostbuster sort of uh guy and so there's there's a scene where he has like a fucking jumpsuit and a a proton pack sort of looking thing (laughs) and uh he also has like fucking white hair that looks very similar to uh, the hairdo used by uh, Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown in Back to the Future. <laughs> so anyway, it's this mashup of all these uh, <laughs> like well-known American things, um, but done in a very Hong Kong way. But anyway, with the action, there's not much, but when there is action, it's really well done, as you would expect, because it's Sammo Hung. The editing is super fucking tight, perfect everything I could ever want out of action editing um, and in the one there's one fight where Joyce Cadenzi has to I hate saying like oh there's one fight like because there's really not that many action scenes at all in this movie so to be like well in one fight there was this sort of <laughs> infers that there's other fights that are equally as big but I should say in the the one like biggest fight that's actually not that big. <laughs> um, he, Joyce Cadenzi has to fight a ghost, basically, who who manifests as a as a physical being and then you know dematerializes or whatever. But anyway, like during that, 
Sammo puts his fucking wife through some serious shit. It's like Sammo hung. I mean, it's like uh, like Sam Raimi putting Bruce Campbell through all this, like really wanting to put him through all this fucking gnarly shit in all the Evil Dead movies. It's like Sam Hung treated his wife like that in this movie because she just gets her fucking head smashed through all this glass and she's breaking fucking tables with her body and all kinds of shit. <laughs> uh, so th- that was a very enjoyable part. Um, but it's it's really not a great movie. If you love Sam Hung, um, I would say it's worth a watch for sure. Uh, especially if you like the actors. I would prefer it if... I think if Sammo Hung was in it, I would have liked it a lot more just because it's fun. I like Sammo Hung so much. Um, so he just adds a, a, a good element to it. But uh, as it is, eh, it's all right. Um, I'm not, like, super excited to watch it again. Um, but if I find a better copy, I would... I, I think it would play better restored or or whatever just just where you can kind of see what the fuck is going on in a lot of scenes that are a little bit shady uh but anyway so that's a uh, spooky spooky <laughs> uh next should i just go yeah let's just go uh next on the list i watched the movie slugs slugs is also from 1988 and it is directed by Jan, <laughs> Jan, <laughs> fucking Juan Piquer Simon. And you might remember that name because he also directed the genre favorite cult classic pieces that I talked about uh, whenever I talked about it a few episodes ago, or I don't know, however many episodes ago. You know, you, I don't know, look it up. Anyway, <laughs> um,. So this movie Slugs, Pieces was like 81, 82, 80, I don't know, one of those early 80s years, and Slugs is 88, so uh, it's, it's, uh, I don't, I don't want to say that like, the, I don't know how to say it, but like, it's just better quality, it's like, it's like uh, the guy, Simon was became a better director he had more money at his disposal and he just was just had a a whole um just a better uh a better way of working um i don't know what i'm fucking talking about anyway slugs is just like much better produced and made than pieces that being said (laughs) uh if you look at the acting (laughs) the acting is pretty fucking shady like uh some of those really bad line deliveries in pieces in the english dub of pieces i mean some of the acting here is like on that same level um overall it's it's not bad but there's some parts that are just like oh jesus (laughs) or you laugh at them like like me um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, so Slugs is pretty fucking dope. I gotta say, it's way better than Pieces. I'm surprised that this movie is not the cult classic and Pieces is is just a forgotten movie because, man, Slugs is pretty f- fucking fun. Um, it's super ooey and super gooey and some dope fucking gore. It's, it's just... 
It's fucking dope. It's it's really dope. The 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 key part of the of the story, I guess, is is these slugs are mutated and they are now killing people. Like like slugs, I guess, traditionally don't eat meat, but these slugs have mutated into uh, having a fucking thirst for blood. And so <laughs> there's a great shot of like a like a little fake puppet slug and like a guy puts his finger down and this little puppet slug with the little mouth and teeth like goes and bites his the tip of his finger <laughs> it's so fun um but anyway they they well i don't know that i should <laughs> spoil this whole fucking thing but the the way that the slugs are created is very much like reminiscent of of how I see uh, Trump looking at the environment, <laughs> where it's like uh, he he removed the regulation where like uh, whatever all these factories and shit could just dump shit in the rivers without consequence, and like the uh, they used to have to report these emissions, and now they don't. It's just whatever fucking free for all. And so the way that the the story plays out in this and the the way that the slugs are created and that's probably saying too much but it, it it's it's handled a lot differently than it might sound or whatever. Anyway, it's just, it's just one of those uh, little pieces of a environmentally focused movie that has become uh relevant. I mean they they never stopped being relevant, I would say because we've never stopped polluting but but like the 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 new regime has sort of made them um even more relevant than they've been in the last you know 20 years or whatever uh <laughs> so uh fucking slugs i don't i honestly don't know what else to say about it <laughs> it's fucking fun it's a good horror movie uh if you like you have to like kind of I hate saying shit is campy or whatever but like you kind of have to like B movies I would say to like this movie but if you like fucking animal attacking movies like like it's a subgenre of, of horror uh, where, where animals attack if you like those kind of movies if you like uh, 80s movies that are pretty 80s <laughs> and obviously so and you you don't so much mind uh, a questionable quality of filmmaking uh, if you've seen pieces this movie is way better made than that so definitely don't you know look at it like oh it's the same guy then I don't want to see it but um, and, and also if you like um I totally forgot what the fuck I was going to say. What did I say? I said animal attacking movies, um, B-movies. Oh, fuck. What was the other thing? God damn it. It was something funny or good or whatever. Ah, anyway. Um, I don't remember, <laughs> to be honest. But if you like horror movies and you don't mind, you know... A, a questionable level of trashiness 
um, in terms of filmmaking and, and acting and stuff, not necessarily nudity, trashiness, or whatever, gore, trashiness. There is some gore. It's pretty good. Um, actually, overall, it's pretty good effects. Like, there's there's slug shit in the movie that I don't know if it's real or uh, or fake slugs, but I know that they couldn't possibly have had, like, a thousand slugs everywhere. So, I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. But, um... Anyway, <laughs> I would say if you like horror movies, just fucking watch it and see if you like it. Because it's fucking... <laughs> I enjoyed the shit out of it. And then uh, last on the list, I watched a 70s movie called Acapulco Gold. <laughs> uh, Acapulco Gold is 1976. And it stars people that you probably haven't heard of. Uh, it stars Marjo Gortner, Robert Lansing, and uh, Ed Nelson. Uh, directed by Bert Brinkerhoff. I don't know that he made anything else. Oh, he did. He made, um, speaking of animal attacks horror movies, <laughs> he made the uh, 70s movie Dogs. That uh, has, a, has a great poster of a dog like fucking wide mouthed and angry <laughs> like ah and I've always wanted to see it because of that fucking poster um <laughs> but anyway so he made this movie Acapulco Gold and what is this movie it's about uh an insurance agent who is on vacation and uh, va vacation in uh, I believe it's like Hawaii or something and well no it, it must have been I think it was Mexico no because they go to Hawaii okay well this thing is wrong because I'm looking at this synopsis and it's like he's on vacation in the Hawaiian island of Kauai and I'm thinking is that true that's not true anyway so they start the movie in Mexico don't do that anymore why not makes you look like a stupid asshole and he's going to get on a flight to go home because his vacation is over and he's taking with him a piñata <laughs> and a, a nun walks up to him also holding a piñata and she says something about like oh blah 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 I love your piñata and oh you know what I have to go to the bathroom uh, can you hold my piñata and uh, uh, I'll be right back. So he goes, yeah, okay, sure, fine. <laughs> and then she leaves. And he's holding the piñata. The piñata. And uh, <laughs> when she's walking away, she sees another guy with another piñata. And she realizes her mistake. She realizes, oh, fuck. I gave the piñata to the wrong guy. But... It actually works out for the nun, uh, at least now, because uh, the cops come and arrest the insurance agent because the they have been watching the whole thing, and so now the the the, uh, the swap has been made, and they catch him with the piñata, and inside the piñata is a lot of heroin, or as they call it in Mexico, heroína. <laughs> at least that's what they call it in the movie. I don't know if that's the actual term, but... <laughs> so they 
they get the heroin and so now he's in a Mexican jail in the Mexican in the Mexican jail he meets uh, a guy an American and he actually knows this guy um, he doesn't know him but he knows of him he's he's a I guess a famous sailor and this insurance agent was once a sailor himself and is sort of this amateur lover of sailing and so he knows the guy he's like oh wow you won this fucking championship you won this you know you're you're fucking great why are you here and so they kind of develop this friendship um and so this sailor is actually in mexico to smuggle some drugs um over the border or something something like that but but he's going to do it in a sailboat basically and so in order to do it he needs a crew and um, the guy says well I can do it I only need one guy and let me let me go get him so he breaks the dude out of jail and they go off on the high seas <laughs> the world class sailor bamboozled again huh well you missed it too dumbass alright so that's the, the basic uh, plot of the movie and there's some hijinks involved with that. It's not a great movie, but it looks very nice. It has a great cinematography. And uh, it, since they're out on the ocean, and it's a movie made in the mid-70s, they're actually out on the ocean. I mean, it might, it might not be the ocean, but uh, they're on some large body of water, and it looks great. Um, there's there's one part where they have this. There's some kind of weird like ocean liner boat that that gets involved, and it can like lift up on these stilts out of the water. <laughs> I don't I don't know what it is. Anyway, this thing is like lifted up, and there's uh, <laughs> they're like fighting on the fucking railing, and it's just. It's a couple of guys on the railing of this giant boat fucking <laughs> barreling through the ocean. And uh, I don't know. It's just uh, there's something uh, charming about about uh, watching real things happen. Um, and what did I do? Did I delete my thing? I did. Jesus. Every fucking time I delete the goddamn note. All right. Here we go. Let's get it back. Where does it go? Okay. But uh, this this movie marks the first uh, composing job for a composer that I am familiar with for his score from The Last Starfighter, one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, it's a guy named Craig Safan or Safin or something like that. And uh, so this was his first score, and it is... Not a great, not a great score, um, but it's also at the same time a very great score. What do I mean? I mean that the score itself doesn't necessarily fit the movie very well, but it also at the same time makes the movie a lot more enjoyable than it otherwise would be. So. There's all these like synthesizer pop songs 
and and that's part of what makes it seems like an '80s an '80s uh, thing because it it seems way more synthed out and like pop song. And I know seven mid '70s is like all that fucking soft rock bullshit started. But um, I don't know. There's there's just a an an, an '80s vibe to this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. You know, just <laughs> what shit that doesn't matter. Uh, so anyway, this was his first his first thing. Um, and then the editor was also um, somebody who went on to uh, various other things. Um, Acapulco Gold was his second uh, job as an editor. I believe it was his second. Maybe this. Uh, yeah, well, anyway, the, his first two jobs were to edit dogs and Acapulco Gold to Bert Brinkerhoff films. Anyway, John Wright started there and then he went on to edit uh Sam Peckinpah's Convoy <laughs> which I've always wanted to see, but I haven't seen it yet. And then uh in the eighties he went on to edit uh the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie The Running Man. He edited Gleaming the Cube, <laughs> Hunt for Red October, uh, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, fucking Last Action Hero, Speed, uh, Die Hard with the Vengeance, Broken Arrow. Uh, so, you know, Passion of the Christ, Apocalypto. And uh, so he, he's got some serious cred. He, he was nominated for two Oscars. I think one of those was Speed. And the other was The Hunt for Red October. So there you go. So anyway, he's got some cred, but this is him at his very beginning of the career. And uh, he did a good job. It's a, it's a well-put-together movie. It's just not as entertaining as uh, it might sound. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. So that's uh, Acapulco Gold. I don't think I have anything else about that movie. Um, oh, th that was the other thing. When I was talking about the cinematography, in addition to all the stuff on the high seas, there's also a a, a little section with a uh, a helicopter ride, and where probably a, a normal movie or or something that's a little more focused, because this movie it has a plot, but it's I don't know it kind of meanders around, and that's kind of just the way that. I don't know, it kind of echoes the sailing where, you know, you're you're sailing on a boat. It takes a long time to get anywhere. You're kind of relaxed, you know. And so the movie has kind of that that vibe about it and uh, in a good way. But but during this helicopter ride, uh, instead of just getting on the helicopter and then, you know, showing a quick flight scene and then they're out of the helicopter... This movie takes a full-on like sequence about the ride, and it <laughs> it's like a like travel log footage of just all these cool locales uh, of the helicopter flying through all these cool areas. And there's one part where uh, it's on a beach, and there's like this this natural um, rocky sort of arch that's that's going over the beach. And the fucking helicopter, like, goes down, like, really low to the ground and flies under it. 
it's fucking cool um so you know there's stuff like that i don't know how easily uh attainable this movie is i know that uh code red put it out on blu-ray recently uh that's how i got to see it and uh code red stuff is kind of hard to find though uh, because of it's just a one guy (laughs) operation one guy running a whole uh blu-ray company uh but his stuff is available if you know where to look he has a uh his own web store and then he has some stuff on uh diabolic dvd which is a great great independent dvd retailer and then uh screen archives another independent uh retailer screen archives is pretty expensive though they they uh they list everything at list price so it's kind of uh, pricey but diabolic is a little better on the pricing and the uh they're good guys they they package stuff really well anyway uh so <laughs> i guess that's a show i was thinking about doing the horror movie thing but i don't know i'm already over an hour and i'm kind of beat so maybe i'll try to do it next week i don't know um i part of me thinks that i should do separate episodes for them because they're long they you know it's like an hour long and i don't know how much anybody wants to listen to me you know for 2 hours straight and i definitely don't like talking for 2 hours straight <laughs> so i don't know what to, i'm what i'm going to do with that i don't really want to do two episodes cuz that means i have to do twice the work and I don't know that I have time for that. Um, so, I don't know. I'll figure it out. Maybe if I could ever shut up about these damn movies <laughs> and condense it into something shorter, uh, it would be better. Uh, so, okay. So, so that's... <laughs> on that note, that's going to be the show. And uh, coming up on the site this week, I have a review of the... Uh, Full Moon Kids movie, Frankenstein Reborn. It is a uh, Full Moon take on the Frankenstein uh, story told in 45 minutes, uh, give or take. (laughs) It's probably, without credits, it's probably 40, maybe a little bit less. Anyway, they they were going to do a whole series of these Reborn movies like uh, Mummy Reborn and Dracula Reborn and all these fucking things and they're going to be short little little movies uh, but they only ever made two uh, one of one of which was uh, Frankenstein Reborn and then the other one that I haven't seen yet uh, The Werewolf Reborn so anyway uh, so <laughs> look for Frankenstein Reborn on the site this week and then the Shaw Brothers movie the week is uh, Kuei Chi Hung's sequel to The Tea House, uh, Big Brother Chang, starring Chen Quintai. Uh, so, so if you're interested in that, check them out. And uh, if you have any feedback, send it in. Oh, that reminds me, there was a feedback. Uh, okay, feedback. What do we got? Nick sent in a feedback with a uh, very, very, very uh, brief, <laughs> very brief bit of feedback. He put uh, a little little uh, signs of the uh, the what do they call it the uh, you know like metal people do (laughs) 
to like signify that they're metal with their hands. I don't know with the with the uh, index and the pinky up. What do they call that? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, two two uh, text representations of that, followed by a link, and the link goes to a album cover for Manowar's The Triumph of Steel. I haven't heard this album, but uh, it's got one hell of a cover, and anything that uh, makes me think of Conan <laughs> when I look at it or read the title, Triumph of Steel, uh, pretty much is, is my bag. <laughs> Even if it's not great, um, I will love it regardless, because I love that sort of shit. Um, I'm really into uh, a band... I played one of their songs on one of these episodes, but uh, there's a band, uh, like an underground, sort of lesser-known metal band uh, who's been around for years and years named uh, Manila Road, and I'm really into them, and they they have uh, all of their stuff, not all of their stuff, but but a good portion of their stuff is based on uh, classic mythological writing and, like, Robert E. Howard stories and Conan and all kinds of fucking... (laughs) Like, there's one Edgar Allan Poe album, and uh, I just got one of their more recent albums, and uh, there's a a total, like, a a complete song that's dedicated to Conan, and it's pretty fucking dope. Anyway, um, I'm imagining that this comment is in reference to the the metal intro... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of the last episode uh, and, and it's, uh, it's a thumbs up I'm assuming so uh, yeah I'll keep up the good work with the metal I like to incorporate multiple genres and multiple things um, I try to <laughs> I tend to uh, gravitate towards towards the funk um, something like that but uh, I do I do plan on keeping the uh, the, the, the music diverse anyway um, I'm getting tired, so better sign off. <sighs> so did I? Yeah, I did that already. All right, so that's the uh, that's the show, and uh, adios. I'm packing up my memories, and I'm gonna move on out of your heart. Turning in my keys. And I'm gonna move on out of your heart Cause there ain't a room enough for two And sharing your heart with someone new Will never do It's getting mighty crowded I'm telling you It's getting mighty crowded Gonna take these dreams of mine And I'm gonna move on out of your life